In this episode, Stephen Selvage. Very great conversation with Steve Selvage. It was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, we learned a lot about Memphis. Uh, Steve is sort of a, a, what would you say, a Memphis legacy? Well, yeah, uh, unlike, uh, although Memphis is very welcoming to its... Uh, its uh, transplant. Transplant. I'm a transplant. Um, you're just from south of the border, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve was born and raised. Um, uh, a fabulous legacy out of uh, Mud Boy. Right, his, his, his band, Sons of Mud Boy. Sons of Mud Boy. Reverencing Mud Boy and the Neutrons. Um, uh, so he, he, playing all over town with that, um, mm-hmm. formerly also a member of Big S Truck. Yeah, Big S Truck. And, and uh, not also, only in Memphis. No. Uh, he's You might have also, caught him on yeah. Late Night with Seth. Right, right, with the Hold Steady. Yeah. Brooklyn-based band. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, we Actually, had a, that, was, that was fascinating to learn about, of how those guys live at all different corners of the... Uh, Country, the yeah. country, and they come together and and, and, and duke it out. Kind of maybe something indicative of our uh, modern music age that you're able to do that, huh? Mm. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So hopefully you get a. We also geek out a little bit with Steve because he, you know. Well, I mean, we we focus on musicians this season, um, and so it's kind of easy for us. But to, talking about guitars is always cool. Yeah, it really is. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, Steve Salvage, to Memphis Machine. All right. All right. That's the show. Okay. Great. Cool. Thanks. That man has been great, y'all. <laughs> that's all we needed. Um, so you've been hitting Memphis for, and Memphis has been hitting back. Uh, you've been here your whole life. I have born and Pre- raised. Born and raised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and primarily a guitarist. And uh, um, are you an influencer on 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 the Instagram, or would you be considered a? I, I doubt that. <laughs> I don't have the blue check, so. I mean, I, yeah, what what does it take to be an influencer? Well, you got to have 100000 or something. Or, oh, is that right? Is that, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, I thought the blue check just verified that you were who you were. What? I, I, can't, I can't keep up with that. <laughs> I guess nobody cares who I am. <laughs> but you keep busy. You keep playing. Right? Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I do. I've, I've, I, there, there, there are gigs. Just came <laughs> off the road, right? Yeah, um, so the band I'm in is called, uh, one band that I'm in is called The Hold Steady, based out of New York um, primarily, but um, we sort of changed our touring model, like we sort of took uh, quite a bit of time off and then kind of came back together, started playing shows again, and luckily we have an audience that allows this, but what we've been doing is sort of residencies in cities. Oh, wow. So like rather than like, you know, getting in the bus and going on tour for two months, well, like, so uh, so this summer we had to run a show starting, uh, where did it start? Um, it, well, I can't remember where it started, but <laughs> um, but so say we did Seattle, right? Yeah. So we played three shows at this club called The Crocodile. Um, so we just post up for three nights and it kind of makes it more of an event and we have to change, forces us to change up the set list. And then so, you know, after that we did Nashville, we did Boston, um, and they were all residencies, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was that started like in September, and uh, or no, it started in August, and it's kind of put us through to here. So our, our last one was in Boston, I guess two weeks ago now. Um, we have uh, we had an album come out on August sixteenth, so that was kind of promoting that as well. But again, it just it makes a lot more sense for us to sort of just post up and do these residencies rather than you know be out for weeks at a time and just town to town to town to town yeah well yeah. i mean like the thing we found out too is like when you kind of when you just when you're sort of there doing the residency like the overhead of a bus or a van or you know all the infrastructure of touring kind of goes away you just you just have to get there you know yeah and get some gear sorted out but other than that like you're just sort of there and it, it financially it works out better Anyway, yeah, that's we're done um, until December when we have it. This will be our fourth annual. We you do a thing called um, I don't know what we call it, um, but we do four shows at the Brooklyn Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, this coffee hadn't kicked in quite yet. <laughs> Even though I've been up for four hours, so really I'm I'm due for a nap. Um, <laughs> Getting the kids to school. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we do four shows at Brooklyn Bowl in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, every year. So this is our fourth year doing that. So that's coming up. And, uh, you know, we've just been, since we put out this last album, 
the writing process has kind of solidified itself. The album is called Thrashing Through the Passion. Um, we kind of found a good groove of working in terms of like, uh, the, like so me and the keyboard player and the other guitar player primarily write the music. Uh-huh. So we kind of work by ourselves at home and then things kind of migrate into a Dropbox folder and then we kind of work on it like that. And then, you know, our singer kind of figures out what he can get into and then we get together and kind of routine them stuff and um, with our producer, Josh Kaufman. Uh, get in there and kind of figure out what works and then go and record. So rather than like, here again, just like the residencies are different, we're doing a recording situation different. So rather than like, try and find a big chunk of money from a label. Yeah. And like, okay, we got to write 15 or 20 songs and go and record them all at one time and then mm-hmm. try and pick out the best 10 for a record. We just have kind of been recording in these like chunks and then it just sort of, we kind of collate that and that became that album. Um, so we're going to continue just to work that way. So that way, it's not like the album cycle because like the music business has changed so much. So instead of, you know, going for those two weeks to make that record and then you kind of wait for it to get done and then you go on tour for two years and don't do anything but tour and play radio shows and, <laughs> you know, in stores and all that stuff. I mean, that, that world doesn't kind of exist right. anymore. Right. So uh, rather than do that, we just kind of are in this continual sort of mode of writing and yeah. creating that way. So, um, so when did you... Um when did you link up with them? It's like 2009, 2010? 2010, yeah. Uh, how joined, did that come about? Uh, I was in a band called The Bloodthirsty Lovers with Dave Schaus, who was in The Grifters and Those Bastard Souls. And um, we were on the same label, French Kiss. And so I think it was like right around the time their first album, Almost Killed Me, first Hold Steady album came out. We started doing some shows together and did a couple of tours. And I got to be good friends with the guys and... Um, I remember come to find out that me and Tad Kubler, the guitar player in the Hold Steady, we had the same birthday. We're like five hours apart in age. So mm-hmm. there was quite a bit of bonding over that. And we just kept in touch over the years. And then in around 2009, uh, their original keyboard player, Franz Nikolai, left. And they were kind of like, well, what are we going to do? So faced with getting sort of a ringer replacement keyboard player, they were like, well, let's bring in another guitar player to cover some of these other parts. And my name got brought up, and I went and I, you know, learned eighty songs or something like that. <laughs> went up there and played them, and it worked worked out great. And um, so that was in two thousand ten. Uh, they had just put out a record called Heaven Is Whenever. So I started for that album cycle, and it was sort of like couched and like, hey man, this is like kind of just like you know, you're a hired gun, just helping us out. But once I joined the band. It, quickly became apparent that you know it was a good fit i was sort of their joe walsh to their eagles you know <laughs> um uh, in a good way in a good way yeah um, without without the heartache so. yeah oh god um so yeah and um god that was you know nine plus years ago um so yeah that that's that's the sort of nutshell of how we linked up um so, so being a modern, let's call you a modern guitarist, being that it is today. Uh, so you, you have this, you know, you're, you're a, a bona fide vetted member of a band, touring band that's based out of, well, what, East Coast. You're, you're in Memphis. I'm All in Memphis. Are- the keyboard player, Franz Nikolai, returned in 2016, but um, he's in Berkeley. Everybody else, most guys live in Brooklyn. One guy lives in the Lower East Side. So that that re- kind of remarkable for people that aren't familiar maybe with this business model. So you guys kind of coalesced, come together, tour, but then you're still very busy locally. Yeah, I, it's sort of a schizophrenic double life because right? you know in the South, no, not a lot of people, not as many people know about the Hold Steady in the South, uh-huh. like, and certainly in Memphis. You know, like where it's not like we're not going to come here and play a huge show, right? You know, so it's sort of like people are like, "What do you do? Like, what does <laughs> you go away and something happens? I don't know." Um, and so here it's more sort of based on bands I've been in previously and, and just playing around town, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, lately, I guess in the past, I don't know, three or four years, I've been trying to do more shows of my own, just under my own name. And it's, it's really a vehicle for me to sing and have fun and play with my friends. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just like deep cut covers and not a ton of originals or anything. Um, but, you know, just playing around DKDC or Rail Garden and stuff like that. And it's fun. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, whoever else I wind up playing with. And then you just had, you just had a television appearance, uh, not too long ago, right? Uh, yeah. Late night with Seth Meyers. Yeah. How'd that go? 
It was fun, super fun. We've done it a couple of times before. Seth's, he's actually a really big fan of, of the band. And oh, like, cool. We've kind of gotten to know him a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, we actually, he has a, a Netflix special coming out about how his baby was born because his second child was like, uh, we got to go to the hospital. They got in the elevator, and by the time they got to the lobby, it's like, we're having the baby here in the lobby. Wow. So he wanted us to write a song for this Netflix special, so we did that as well, um, and that was fun to do. Yeah, it came cool. together quickly. Um, but yeah, uh, those are super fun. Those shows are always a lot of fun. It's kind of like, it's fu- it's cool to watch them do it because they do it every week, you know, or you know, every five days a week or whatever. Yeah, right. And it's just like a clockwork, well-oiled machine that just, so to watch them kind of do it, all the crew and everything, it's pretty fascinating. But um, were, were your friends? I mean, people here are kind of surprised, like, "Oh, this is a, this is something that this is something else that you that you're doing." I don't know. I right? mean, it's it's different now than it was like even five six years ago. I mm-hmm. mean, because TV is different. People aren't like. I mean, some people still DVR stuff, I guess, but right. like you know. The first time I ever played a television show was in 2003 with Corey Brandon. We did Letterman. And it was so exciting. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was like, it was amazing, you know. And then, like, you know, people were so kind to us, like, here in Memphis. Like, you know, they, some people got together at the deli and they had a watch party, you know. Yeah. And it was like, it's such a big buzz. And, like, I... I'm very fortunate to have been to have played on some TV shows because they're fun and it's it's whatever it's cool you know yeah, um, yeah of course. it's it's hard not to sound jaded but it's just like we had a great time doing it. it's always a great time they're great people but you get done at like seven thirty you know you you kind of waited around all day right to play one song and then you're done and like and I just kind of went back to the hotel found a place to get some pasta and. <laughs> It's like nobody I knew was like there was no watch party, you know. We, <laughs> right. like, no one went out. If everybody yeah. scattered, like because we had to go, we had to get up and do something. We had to get them drive to Boston the next day. Right. So it was like, all right, well, just you know, be at Lake Street at ten o'clock, and well, you know, we'll load out from there. It's like, all right, see you tomorrow. You're like, but I just did this really cool thing, and I, I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, and the funny thing too is like, well, even if there was a watch party. Like it's late night with Seth Meyers, so like I might not be awake, man. You know, oh, yeah. It's, you know, because it's it's on the East Coast time too, so it's 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 just funny the difference between you know doing it then and doing it now. So I mean, is there, is there some similarities of of, of uh, do you feel like maybe the way how the music business has gone that television is experiencing the same? Kind absolutely, of, right. I mean, I was just you know I think I said something like you know hey I'm playing on Seth Meyers, you know. Go ahead and watch it on YouTube tomorrow when you wake up, if you want, maybe, or right. whatever. I mean, whatever. My, you know, my mom and sister were super stoked about it, and yeah. they, they, they did their Facebook due diligence. But, um, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay it, but it was, it's, no, just, it's, it's just different. It's yeah. just, you yeah. know, it's not the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Right. You know. Right. I mean, you know, because we're so much like the Beatles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it was cool. I was glad to do it. Um, I Actually, I got to, I pulled Seth Meyers aside and told him, I was like, he does this thing called a closer look. Mm-hmm. And um, just, it's basically just, he takes, it's it's basically just all about Trump, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I told him, I was just like, I don't, I've, I just, I've had to disengage from the political fray. I just, the Facebooks and the, all that. Like, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. Just, you it, know, it'll eat your soul. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see <laughs> friends of mine that are just like tear, tearing themselves up, you know? And I and I get why, mm-hmm. but anyway, I just told him I was like, Your, "Yours is the only thing I allow myself. You're, you're a closer look." And um, it was busy, and he was like, "Yeah, thanks, you know." But then, like later on, like he found me and grabbed me. He's like, "I meant to. I, I didn't get a chance to tell you." He's like, "That is my catharsis. Like yeah. I have to do that." I went on vacation for two weeks, and not being able to do it drove me crazy. Wow, uh, it's like really important to him. Wow, because I guess you know because just using the run up to the election as fodder for his comedy. Yeah. He, he was putting Trump out there quite a bit, and then he was just like, "What have I done?" You know? <laughs> so it's I didn't realize it, that it meant that it have what exactly it meant. Interesting. So that yeah. was a nice little tidbit to yeah. clean from him. Yeah. Let's get into um, growing up in Memphis. I was going to say early exposure you, to music you, scene. You, you've been here a minute. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Have you thought about living anywhere else? Um, occasionally. Yeah. I, there was a couple of times here and there. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had the money, I'd. I'd live in New York and Memphis. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so my dad was a musician, Sid Selvage. So 
I was born into just he played around town a lot, and he had uh, some pretty crazy musical compatriots: Jim Dickinson, Lee Baker, Jimmy Crosswaite. Um, yeah. So I grew up around those guys. Yeah, and I was very much into what they were doing. You know, I loved. I just remember, like, especially when they would play some sort of outdoor thing, like you know, I, I don't know what it would have been, like maybe an Audubon Park or the Shell, or. But I just remember the atmosphere around that and being really super into it, just the kind of seeing all the people around and kind of letting loose a little bit and um, the smells. Uh, so, yeah, I just early on, it just was really intriguing. And then, you know, so my mind was open to music anyway. And then, you know, you had all the stuff coming in from the mid to late 70s into the 80s. You yeah. know, just it was like, yes, what is this music thing? I would like to try that. <laughs> um, played drums for a little bit kind of messed around got a bass when I was like in kindergarten that kiss was a big influence you know I, <laughs> and I figured this out too um I'm the absolute cutoff I was born in 1973 yeah that is the I think the hard line cutoff of whether or not kiss was a part of your life or not interesting I know like the drummer of the whole study is born in 76 and he could no reference he's just like yeah. why do you why are y'all so into kiss what is, like, <laughs> what is this <laughs> um, because we like m people my age were what was wrong with Kiss by by the late seventies. Okay, I'll, I'm just gonna totally just digress into Kiss talk. Okay, um, no, let's let's go there. Let's do it. Because you know Kiss started out of this kind of like black leather and you know s silver stud like underground thing, and like right? you know they were like the property of like you know fifteen to nineteen year old Hesher, just you know dirtbag you know, pothead or whatever, you know, like they had this cool, you know, underground kind of thing. And then they got big and then they just started marketing themselves as superheroes. Like then, you know, the, the dolls, the, yeah, right. the kiss cards oh, that, with, the, 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 with the, with the flat bubble gum, the TV special <laughs> kiss me. It's a phantom. Right. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean that, you know, that was, um, <laughs> at both at their Zenith and their Nadir, but, um, Scooby-Doo, weren't they in a Scooby-Doo episode? Or something like that. I don't recall. I that. don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I think you're crossing Paul End. That, that, that's, that's the that's the intersect of the Venn diagram. And <laughs> it was like Paul Hollywood Squares. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. Welcome to the old people podcast. Yeah, right. Um, but anyway, um, uh, but yeah. So the the music was around, and I was fortunate enough to be kind of brought up in, in a musical community. So all all the people that my dad knew, and just all their friends and stuff like that, and just creeping around studios at an early age. It was all really fun. Wow. All the, all the fun parts. Uh, on a total side note, you, you just said the word Hessian, right? Hesher. Hesher? Yeah. Okay, growing up in Southern California, Hessian was, was, was a term for uh, those who partook of uh, herbs. The sacred and, and whatnot. Herb, you know. the flower. Yeah, yeah. Which, but I think actually Hessian was a, a mercenary. Was Is that right? Like yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's got kind of, you know, it, it's been uh, sort of mutated over the years. Was there maybe like a um, Iron, Iron an Iron Maiden reference or something like that? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I haven't heard that. That 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 took me back to Southern California hearing that term there. Yeah, yeah. You know, we used to ask a lot about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting this back on track. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what about, track that let's is. Talk about Paul. <laughs> 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 no, <laughs> go ahead, Jonathan. Take us back, <laughs> so, please. So, so lifelong uh, Memphians. We um, in previous seasons we've kind of tried to focus on um, changes that they've noticed, right? Um, so, I'll let you go. Just wherever it, you want. In take terms that. of the city itself, or the musical community, uh, or? yes. <laughs> mostly, uh, mostly music. Let's start with well, music. With, what, you know, like for me with the musical community, it's just being the age that I am now. It's like I'm just noticing that there, you know, there's just a bunch of people coming in that are younger, and it's their time to do stuff. You know, mm -hmm. so it's exciting to see who all is kind of bringing what, and you know, uh, just the you know what their gaze is on you know music, how they're bringing their lens to things, and you know how much they're because you're sort of you're making music, but you're making Memphis music. And like, what is, there's always a question of what is Memphis music. Mm. And we've, you know, we've all kind of delved into that quite a bit. So it's good to see like kind of where, what, what they're taking from the past and bringing their own thing into it. You know, it's like, it's a lot of good stuff happening. Like, um, Jesse Davis, Jimmy Davis's kid, like 
that dude's phenomenal. Mm. And I'm so intrigued to see what he does. And and I just I just so hope that nobody like gets a hand on him and been like, <laughs> you know, hey, you should do this or whatever. But God, he's so good. He's so good. Um so that's exciting. Uh I think I think Memphis is, you know, it's 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 always going to be troubled. We have a history of trouble. I mean, like, we just starting with the yellow fever. I mean, like, it, it just oh gosh, it just compl- I mean, we we'd be a different city now, you know, if we if, if people just not just left. Um, but that's going way back. But um, I think we're in a good spot right now. Honestly, I mean, in a lot of ways, there's plenty to fix. There's plenty of problems. But I think any city is going to have problems. Um, I just think that as much as people t- may talk about how bad things can be right now, like they're also really, and how scary and fast things change. I think it's also really good. I just remember Memphis in the nineties and like, it's so much better now. Like there's people doing more. And I think there's just a culture of doing more. Like the nineties had that, I don't know if you want to call it slacker, but it was just like, whatever, you know, it, it just feels like now if you have an idea, it's like, we should do this, and then, like, clickety-clack, and, like, and then you're doing it. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think breweries are a good barometer. Mm, sure. You know, mm. like, and I think Amen. that's a good sort of litmus test of how a city's doing it. I think we're, you know, in that, that regard, we're doing great, you know. Um, All right. So, yeah, let me let me press you on the 90s, or, or not necessarily just that, but so so what what were you observing there? I mean, like, what were you doing at that time and well, as, it, as a musician? I mean, or? it's tough to say because, you know, I, my worldview and experience is so different. I mean, I was in my 20s, yeah. you know, and so it was, and the 90s were all about being a big-ass truck, my band from the 90s. I mean, mm. and, and I was touring a lot with that band, so I was gone a lot, you know. Um, I remember that band. Yeah, and so it was... It was funny because that, that's that's all I knew, really. I mean, because, you know, I started that band when I was 20 years old, and it was everything, you know. That, yeah. You know, that's that's when you're young and you're, like, putting all your chips in something, and it's like, and it's it's this desperate sort of make or break kind of thing, and you're just like your absolute passion. So that's kind of where I was during that time. And, like, I didn't really even play with too many other people. We were just such a unit, such a gang, you know, and you, you identify yourself as being a part of this band. I remember when the band started to slow down and like in the early 2000s when we eventually stopped playing in 2001, I was like, I got to play with other people. And it, it was funny because I realized all I knew how to do was to be the guitar player in Big Ass Truck. <laughs> I thought of myself as being this, you know, accomplished musician or whatever, but I didn't know anything. Um, I remember like, you know, the biggest thing, uh, I've just completely ditched talking about the 90s now, but... Um, the biggest thing, like the revelation to me was like kind of coming home and having to work and like play with other people. And I started playing with, uh, with like Ross Rice who had, who produced some big ass trucks up and played with us. And I played with him some, but I started playing with him again with the blue monkey. And then that led to playing with like Susan Marshall and David Kowser and Sam Shoup and these guys. And you know, they're, they had this repertoire that like just wasn't on my radar songs that I maybe kind of knew or didn't know at all. And honestly, like some songs, because I was, it had been so young and like just identified myself so much as being part of my band. Some songs was like, that song's corny. I'm not going to play. Like, I, I don't play that. And then, so I kind of got my head out of my ass and like, I learned so much playing with those guys. Like, you know, once I started playing all these songs that I didn't think were part of like what I did, quote unquote, it like, everything went super technicolor. Like I learned in a year, I just grew exponentially as a musician mm. because of playing with those guys and gals. Um, so anyway, to go back to the nineties, it was just like, that's kind of all it was. And, you know, and it was just that weird sort of very nascent internet. And the, just the culture was, I just, as I remember it, it was just kind of strange. I just, I don't really, I, I don't hearken back to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I don't really have a lot of nostalgia for it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I think things are a lot cooler now in a lot of ways. Would, would you say that also contributed to uh, giving you some more chops for, for studio work? Absolutely. That's right. when I started doing some more studio work. Yeah. Like I hadn't really done any stuff. And then what was it? Like John Hampton called me up one day, rest in peace. Bless yeah. his heart. He's like, hey man, come come play on this thing. I'll give you hundred bucks. It'll be fun. <laughs> and I'm like, God, John Hampton's calling me for a session. Yeah, be cool, man. Yeah, 
I mean, I'd known Hampton. I mean, he produced an album with my dad. I mean, you know, I, I knew that, I, you know. But it was like that kind of led to, for a while there, it was just like I was doing a ton of session work. Um, it's kind of slowed down now, so I'm still available for session work. Hey, um, hey, there it is. But yeah, it was just like, that was the thing. It was just like, and the Blue Monkey's right by Arden, and it was just like I was playing there all the time, learning, just, just, and it's not even a matter of like getting like playing faster or like learning different, like it was just, I was getting more musical and then doing those sessions and it was just like kind of immersive. Um, very fortunate to be in that position. That's cool. I I just came across John Hampton's name. I had no idea he mixed um, um, a trouble, that country song. Um, Is that Travis Tritt? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, it blew my mind. See, that's the thing. You know, it's, it, I had it, no again, idea. Sort of going to that sort of double life of like, uh, I remember in the nineties, because uh, I'd just be checking in, and, and Hampton would just be just you know, just mixing a Travis Tritt record, you know, <laughs> that like it wasn't recorded here, and no, like yeah. nobody in Memphis was like, man, Travis Tritt, come on, like like <laughs> that, that I knew anyway, but it was just like he was just doing his work, you know, yeah. and like and and doing it well, and he was yeah, he was white hot there for a minute, man. You got some funny, uh, got a funny story about about John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> We were recording my dad's record uh, in 1992. He had got a deal with Electra Nunsuch and doing this record that became called Twice Told Tales. So, and I was just in heaven. Like, this is like 90, yeah, it was like 92. So I'm like, oh man, I'm in the studio with, with Hampton and my dad, and this is great. And I mm. really looked up to Hampton quite mm-hmm. a bit. And uh, so I was just super happy to be around. And like, you know, my dad was like, you're going to play guitar on the record. And that's, you know, I was. I mean, I was up at the task. I was good enough at that point. It wasn't like just blatant nepotism, you know. <laughs> he liked the way I played guitar. Oh, cool. Um, and Hampton, Hampton would have put the kibosh on it if I wasn't up mm-hmm. to the task. Anyway, um, so we're going along. It's great. And then one night, uh, Hampton had just got like, I don't know, like a mid-70s Jaguar. Like, you know, uh, I can't remember the model number, but it's just like, you know, the Jaguar is like they used to look in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. But it had like a Chevy 350 motor in it. It was just this total, like, cobbled together kind of weird Jaguar situation. So one night he's like, come on, Steve, you want to drive it? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, Hampton, man. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, okay. He's like, come on, come on, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so we get, I pull on to Madison, you know, and I'm like kind of like giving a little gas or whatever. He's like, he's like turn down the street. I'm like, <laughs> all right. He's like, no, come on, gun it, man. He like hits my leg. He's like, you know, give, open it up. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So I just dump the, you know, what's 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 our, what's our profanity situation here? <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah, okay. whatever, whatever you so want, I fucking dump the pedal, like, <laughs> you know, and like, so I'm just humming down like Tucker or I don't know one of those side streets, and like a dog just runs out in front oh. of us. And I slam on the brakes and just fishtailing. I'm coming this close from like clipping, you know, side view mirrors and taking out doors. And uh, fortunately, I didn't. And I just sort of stop. <laughs> and I just kind of look at Hampton and he kind of looks at me. He's like, why don't I go ahead and drive us back? I was like, yeah, 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 that's cool. Yeah, you, please. Um, oh, yeah, that was fun. I, uh, I only got to meet him once. Just, uh, Right when I first moved to town seven years ago, yeah. he was at Arden, and yeah. had, I remember he had black fingernail polish. Yeah, he got pretty wild there towards the end. <laughs> and uh, I just was like, holy cow, great to meet you. He was like, hey, and he just a brief couple words, and he disappeared. He yeah. was so smart. He was <laughs> oh, so smart, and he was so good at his job, and he loved me. He was so musical. Yeah. Great drummer, too. Really? Fantastic drummer. Yes. Dang. Um, and... Would, would he contribute to projects? Like, if he just all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know. Um, he usually would, he would demure, especially by the time he was like kind of, you know, well established as a producer engineer. Yeah. It was like he kind of didn't want to let on how good of a drummer he was. Wow. You know, um, I did do one, we did a, uh, it never came out, but I did a, a John Kills a record that got shelved, but, um, but he played drums on it. Wow. And uh, I remember it was <laughs> like the the first day of the session, Dave Smith was the bass player, I think, on that. And he couldn't make it. He couldn't be there for the first day. And Hampton was just like, he always do this to me. Come on, Steve, just, you play bass. And I'm like, <laughs> Hampton, like, oh. Okay. And so like for like the first day of tra- and like, I'm, you know, I never, I play bass a little bit, but it's like, I wasn't like, yeah, sure, I'll track some bass with you live, John Hampton <laughs> playing drums. You know, it was like. They pro- I'm sure they recut my whatever I played, but it was it was fun to do. So we got to meet actually uh, playing the way. That's right, with John Kilzer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was uh, I'm really glad I got to 
dip my toe. Yes, that was fun. And in, 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 into that pond, that was pretty cool. Um, why, don't you, why don't you tell folks about John Kilzer? Absolutely. Um, you start. I start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just I, I'm, I'm I still feel very peripheral to 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 the whole task. Although he was just he was very gracious to even you know meeting new folks like myself. You know, extremely gracious, uh, famed. Um, uh, ball player, you know, uh, yeah. a literary uh, uh, ninja, you know, totally, with the, yeah. and and then uh, and then a, a, a fantastic uh, songwriter, poet, um, and and then he just left us uh, last year. No, this year. This it was year. this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh, it seems like it seems like a while. It's a long, yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, Kilzer was great. I mean, played basketball for Memphis State. Um, started writing songs. Got a major label deal back in you know in the eighties and nineties. Geffen did the whole thing. Uh, my dad was a big fan of Kilzer's, mm. and so he was around even before I met him. He was around him in my kind of world, and uh, we got to be really close, man. He just he really liked the way I played, and we just yeah. had a really sympathetic thing. And you know, um, he had had a lot of trials and just you know hard time with substance abuse and stuff. And then he got clean and was doing really great with that for a long time, and started this thing called the Way, which is um, a recovery ministry at St. John's. And then you know. We, we were doing that for 10 years um, and I you know I did several records with him and he was just a big musical inspiration to me and just a, a personal inspiration um, yeah it was tough to lose him man um, we're just we're still sort of picking up the pieces over there at St. John's but well yeah you're still playing that right still doing it yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah the way it was like this recovery service um, Friday nights at 6 o'clock at St. John's still is with the theory being that, like, you know, that's a difficult time for a lot of people in recovery. For Friday evening, man, it's like, you know, sure. it's, it's yeah. 5 o'clock, things are about to pop off, you know. Um, so come here and, like, hear some good music. It's And they do work this. They, they go through the steps, but it's not like a – it doesn't count as – like, if you're in the program and you have to go to a meeting, this doesn't count as a meeting. Oh, okay. Um, if you're, if you're like, having somewhere where you have to have your paper signed, you can't do that. But um, – but you come in and we play a song and it's just like, it's not, it could be stuck in the middle with you by Steeler's Wheel or one of Kilzer's songs. It's not like, you know, praise and worship stuff or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. It's, just, it's just whatever. And it was, you know, it was like a lot, like all this great Memphis music talent would play these, you know, play this gig. And uh, so when John left us, we kind of didn't know what to do for a second, but it was quickly decided that we needed to kind of keep doing it. It meant so much to so many people that came to the, mm -hmm. the way that like we couldn't let them down. So even though they knew, or I guess maybe they knew, we knew that it was going to be difficult, both just emotionally and personally, but also just to try and establish a different dynamic. And that's kind of what we're still doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's getting better, you know. Cool. Johnny Jeffords, the lead pastor at um, St. John's, yeah. really stepped up. Yeah. And, and and kind of you know he's he, he knows he's not going to be John no one's going to be John but he's really he's finding his own voice and as a unifying sort of force you know in it's that great. thing and, and, and in a really positive way it's been great I know you know John's music I think he, he won an award uh, at the UK for Americana I mean would you call you know, I would describe him as a singer songwriter he'll, he'll fit into that yeah. yeah right I mean yeah you, you would definitely but especially the last few records he's made. He's yeah, made, you know. I, I just caught. Um, uh, is it? Ro oh, I'm going to slaughter. I'm sorry. From the band Ro Robbie. Um, is it from what band? The band Robbie the, Robertson. Robbie Robertson just yeah. came out with a, a project. Oh yeah, I saw he had something. Did, did, yeah, he's he's, he's and actually media. it, it kind of eerily remind me of Killzer. Huh? Like his singing, actually his 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 phrasing. I was like, holy cow, man! Wow. Yeah, you should check. Yeah, look. Verify that for me if you grab a moment. But um, yeah, but uh, definitely check out John Kilzer YouTube. Whatever. whatever yeah, the last record know. we did, Scars, was a pretty deep yeah. record, and we didn't realize yeah. how deep it was going to be, and we didn't know what he was going through while we were recording that record. So, in hindsight, it's even oh man, it's you know, it's even crazier. But yeah, that was that was a wild ride, man. So, what have you got going on outside? <clears throat> excuse me, of the hold steady as far as writing creative projects. Um. Working with some people in town, trying to do some co-writes with some folks, um, and just you know, just kind of going back in my studio and just tinkering around and seeing what comes out, and moving at a glacial pace towards maybe putting out something to my own. But you know, I mean, it, it 
especially since we pranked up so much, the whole study kind of takes up a, a good bit of my bandwidth mm-hmm. um, in terms of writing and, you know, and then just when we're out of town and then just, you know, uh, and just being a parent as well. Um, but, you know, um, looking to do some more collaborating in town, I'm, I really want to kind of dive back in and just sort of reconnect with some people in town and, uh, you know, see, see if anything can bear fruit with that. Um, I know me and Robbie Grant, who was the other singer and guitar player in Big Ass Truck, we're talking about maybe. We, we're always talking about trying to get together and do something. So um, I think there might be a plan to kind of get together and knock some things around. Um, kind of it, the same format or something different? Something or? different, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, um, I mean, he's really into that sort of home recording, you know. I mean, I, I don't think – there's really no such thing as lo-fi anymore because, yeah. you know, you could make a – Four forty four sixteen recording on your iPhone. So, right. Um, well, now they have plugins to make it sound lo-fi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Um, but yeah, so and and just you know, I'm just this journey of my own gig has been fun. I'm hoping it leads to other things. So I'm, that's kind of the main focus too when I'm home is just booking gigs when I can and you know trying to trying to build up a repertoire of stuff to play and have a just a, a cool show. You know, like my goal is just to, for somebody to kind of walk in and be like, God, I like, I can't believe he played that song or what, what was that song that he played? And, you know, or, and just have a good, it's it like, if, if like somebody stumbled onto the mini moods of Ben Vaughn and didn't know what it was, like, that's kind right. of what the ideal for my gig would be. Hmm. Um, I was listening to you on the way here. Yeah, me as well. <laughs> that's, it was fresh in my mind. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, it, you know, and, and that's a challenge in and of itself because um, it's been really interesting to be like the guy in charge of everything, like just schedule wise, just the herding cats of getting people, trying to figure out what dates people were available, trying to jump uh, up with my schedule. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I just, I just saw an app. I was telling you about really? this, a, a gig app that actually. Because you, you play churches yeah. Sunday morning, right? You know, the whole planning center. Planning center, yeah. yeah I'm there, there's there's an there's a secular version. Okay, <laughs> I'm listening. Sorry, sorry, but but it but it acts and and it 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 will uh, text people, remind them. I need to know about this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was because I was like I, it was, I had the most ridiculous thought. Like you know, here in town, like I just kind of do my thing, and it's like whatever. But like. And, and the money doesn't warrant this at all. But at one point, I was like, God, I need a manager. No, you need and, to check out this app. Like, yeah, it's like, no, you just need to pay See, attention. I'm going the other way. I'm, uh, I'm about to go get a, a, a paper calendar. Well, oh, I thought about I, that, I mean, too. Just, I like like the big one on the wall. There's too much input sometimes. You know, yeah. It's like, it, like, it, it, I got to know how to work the Can app. you trust the cloud for your whole yeah. life? Or just figure <laughs> well, out that, how to work it. You know, Well, that's like, the thing, oh, too, because like, like, it just, you know, when you're trying to book these gigs, like you have to like go and search a text thread and then like, oh, yeah, you know, and like if you play with the people I play, with it's like you're trying to book the dates and then there's just this fusillade of bullshit that comes funny but it's just like it's just you know butthole texts and you know (laughs) like jokes and you know it's like all right let me dig through all this shit talking like okay yeah that's where i said the dates were and yes he did say he could do it (laughs) right because it's always like well i I don't know if i have that date i'm like yes you do oh geez hey so um if if this is backtracking i think that's okay we still have another 15 minutes whatever but no um so would you Excuse, excuse my ignorance, but would you call yourself like a side man? And now, was, was there always a front man trying to creep out of you? Is that is this kind of, or w- w- has it always been there? Yeah, I mean, I never knew the delineation really. I, I'm much more aware of it now. Um, I mean, I wanted to be a guitar player. I mean, I just you know, yeah, I I looked at I looked up and identified with guitar players who, and and it, it was funny. Yes, like who ultimately were. It, they were members of a band. They weren't sidemen per se, as in like you know, gun for hire. Yeah, but they were like I didn't realize that everybody was looking at like at the front man, yeah. you know. And because I grew up with like Led Zeppelin and Van Halen and stuff like that, that like where it was like sort sort in my eyes equal billing. I didn't realize like the general public that was just like yeah, David Lee Roth, right? And that and you know or like yeah, Robert Plant and. And yeah, Led Zeppelin, like, you know, it's like, I was so focused on guitar playing that like, that was just, I just thought that everybody knew that, you know, but, but then when I, you know, when I started playing more in town with other people, then yeah, that's when I got full on into the sideman kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I've always been like, I've, I've always been a total ham and performer, you know, and like, so, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I mean, this, my favorite place was on stage. It's my it's the safest place in the world to me. Uh-huh. Like it, it's, it hasn't knock on wood. It hasn't, you know, stopped yet. It's just like, I could just be crumbling, but I know that once I get on stage, everything's going to be okay. It's always going to be okay. That's quite the inverse wow. for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. In, in no, it's sounds, certainly yeah. the inverse for me. I was like, yeah, I just right? can't wait to just like, just get on stage in front of people. Hopefully if there's people there, it's going to make everything better. And I feel a hundred percent like completely better when it's done. Um, you know, like in big ass truck, like early on, like we did like goofy nicknames for people based on their personality. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, like Robbie was called Swerve because of the way he drove. <laughs> um, and th- it lasted for like a nanosecond. But um, but my nickname was Baby Limelight because I was just, this, I mean, I looked 12 and, you know, I just was like, you know, just jump on a stage and like check me out. <laughs> um, you know, I think had I, had I been better at writing lyrics, I probably would have been more of a front man. Um, and also, I just, I didn't sing a lot uh, early on, like, just because I, I wasn't intimidated, but my dad was such an amazing singer. I was just like, yeah, he's, he's the singer. I'll just <laughs> play guitar. Um, which I kind of wish I hadn't done that. Cause like in the past, since he died, actually I've sang so much more. Cause like mm. when we did his memorial concert at the shell, I had to rehearse the band. Like I was the MD for that whole thing. And, you know, so I was having, I was singing a bunch of his songs and st- stuff that he did, but I was also rehearsing the band. And a lot of times the person that was singing couldn't be there. So I would sing the songs and it was just like, it opened up the, sort of the floodgates to where wow. now I'm kind of making up for lost time. Um, and it's, it's such a different thing. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's also, it's, it's an avenue where I can continue to learn a lot of stuff. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm still learning on guitar, but it moves slower than, you know, than it, it them from that initial rush of stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I love doing the sideman thing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I love just especially if the gig is good. You know, just like yeah. you know, if you can kind of you know dig into stuff and really like, oh wow, this is great. I remember um, I subbed for David Kowser on a Marcella gig, mm-hmm. and it was like, dude, I went all in, man. Like, I mean, I knew I was only going to do like this one gig, but mm-hmm. like. She had just done this new record, and I, I just right. I spent. I mean, I went molecular, man. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna sound just like the record, and uh, it was fun, man. It was it was a great week of exploration. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like hamming it up there um, with with just as much as anybody else. Yeah. It is weird, like I've like I don't really have any sideman gigs in town now. Like you know, it's like, and I'm kind of like, am I disappearing? <laughs> or, like, but, but you know, it's just. I, you know, being out of town, people like just tend to hire other people. You yeah. Know? Um, we were but, talking about that with Stephen, you know, like uh, the last, uh, Stephen Chopik. Oh, yeah, yeah. Expect, and, and he said, yeah, you, you have to come back into town. And we're like, hey, it's, I'm still. <laughs> it, dude, I mean, I remember Dickinson saying it. He was just like, I mean, in a very dramatic fashion, he was just like, if you, if you leave town, you're at the back of the line. Just, and like he, <laughs> that was, he put his hand behind his back, the, back of the line. That's a, that's a, I always heard that was a Nashville thing too. Like guys would, yeah. you know, because you know that you get a good rapport working with an artist. And I'm like, I should take you on the road. And like, no, yeah, no, I can't. You yeah. know, and then the right. the urban legend of um, you know Dire Straits, Nopfler wanted to take out the pedal steel guy. Do you do you know this story? Mm, I'm not sure. Am I making this up? I heard. I heard. Yeah, I heard it was like you know. He's like, let's go on the road. He's like, no, there's no way. He's like, well, what would it take? And he's a million dollars or some exorbitant amount. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Right. And so he let everyone know, I'm going to be gone for eight months, <laughs> but, right. it's, but it's worth it. So, yeah. you know, like it was, but yeah, that was like a death nail for well, a I studio mean, musician. Huh. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's just like, I can wonder if somebody's in town and call to see if they're in town or if there's somebody that I know that's in town yeah. that I'll just call them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't know why, but I don't get near the session work that I used to. And I don't know if that's, I mean, I'm not touring as much as I used to. You know, well, um, is it there to be had as much? I don't you know? know. I mean, I don't. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I mean, I mean, I remember the good old days of like somebody would come in with the bu- a singer songwriter would come in with the budget, right? And the producer yeah. would put the band together around them, yeah, and that was great. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I hadn't really had that happen too much. Um, but then again, that's like you said, people get just comfortable in their stuff. It's just like I know. I have guitar player X, Y, and Z, and I know what they're going to do. So, like, it's just, 
I don't know. It, it's, you know, there's always just this you know, perception too. Like sometimes people might think one person, like they, they might hear, like I remember, this isn't like a producer session thing, but like uh, Jimbo Mathis, mm-hmm. um, years ago, like 19 years ago maybe, like I did, I, my buddy Luther Dickinson brought me down on a session that he did. He was, Jimbo was making a record and it was real loosey goosey, see the pants, root stuff, like bluesy. And, and, and like I just brought, like a national steel guitar and just played slide the whole time. And just mm-hmm. like, and it was like, you know, all like, you know, room mics and real old school. And that was kind of the first time I met him. And, and then a, a little while later he walked into the young Avenue deli and I was playing a gig with this band called the secret service, which is like balls out cock rock, crazy <laughs> over the top, you know, yeah. like screaming guitar solos, Les Paul Marshall kind of thing. And he was just like, Man, I just thought you were some sleepy old blues dude, like they played dobro, and I was like, no, uh, I was totally faking my way through that shit, like, uh, you know, uh, typecast. Yeah, uh, I, I think it happens, man. It's just like, well, it's sure. Like, oh well, he's the rock dude. Like, I don't, I don't want to get him on this session because he's, he's yeah. the rock dude, mm. you know, or like, or he's, uh, he's too bluesy, or I don't know, you know. I'm sitting here complaining during your podcast. I don't no, 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 that's what it's like. That's what we're here for, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't know. People like, think, you know, I mean, Quincy Jones, right? Life, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's so easy to take a snapshot and, and just go, oh, all right. I was going to say, I was gonna say, you know, typecast. I know Michael Jackson was being harassed for having Quincy Jones, a jazzer, produce his sure. record. It's like, yeah. huh, that turned out okay. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah that worked out for him. <laughs> I was like, oh, geez. Um, but you know, it's cool. Like, I mean, I've done some playing with like uh, Liz Brasher, and that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, like she's super great, and it's been cool to see the peek into her creative process. And I hope to do some more with that with her. And you know, so I, I am, you know, kind of hanging around with some people and doing some playing in that respect. Well, speaking of creative process, I mean, what what are your what is yours? Would you say you had? One where you like I don't know anything from sit down, yeah, and, and just get to work or you know. And typically, I am sitting. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Actually, uh, I have. Yeah, it's a lot of you know, sitting around playing, trying to get into sort of a zone where things start to pop out. Um, a lot of like filling up. You know, I like to just sort of fill up the sort of like trot lines, like just a bunch of voice notes on the phone and then just forget about them yep. and then like let them kind of build up and then go back to them. Oh, wow. And like I've forgotten about them. Yeah. Like, so you, you, you've like, maybe you like kind of put your uh, judgment on something and like, but then you go back to it two months later and you're like, well, wait a minute. Like you have fresh ears on it. So I'll kind of collate and go through that. And then I've been using Pro Tools like as a writing tool a lot lately, like where I, I get impatient because also, like, just from a studio producer uh, session kind of thing, like, I want to hear the overdubbing. I want to hear how the – because that's always the fun bits to hear how the parts lay on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I've been doing is kind of like, well, maybe I've got a verse and a chorus or whatever that they, that might be. And, like, I just want to hear, like, what it sounds like with some counterpoint. So what I'll do is kind of set up a click track and start running the parts and then kind of be like, okay, well – I'm coming up on this last bit and it really needs a bridge and like it's a you know you know the click tracks going I'm like fuck what uh I you know like I don't want to stop and then like you just kind of like throw some shit out and like there's been so many times where like the thing that I have to do with the like right down to the wire mm-hmm. becomes my favorite part of the song or it becomes a chorus, you know. Yeah, it's because it's like that you're just like having to do it. How, how about for people who may not know? Uh, um, the importance or, or just the theory, the philosophy of, of layering guitar parts of what right. that, especially, uh, cause people, you know, the way how it gets mixed, probably, you know, your, your non music, your non musician isn't aware of what is going on. Uh, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. So, I mean, the theory being like, I mean, so you have a guitar part and you can double it and it sounds different because it's two guitars that they're not exactly the same playing the same part, right. so, you know, or you can do a different chord voicing and have that over that. And it kind of fattens things up or, you know, a counterpoint descending line over a chord progression. There's all kinds of things. And it's just, it's, you know, if you're inclined that way, it's, it's just sort of a fun project. And is it like an orchestration? Yeah. I mean, it's like total yeah. orchestration. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it, it can radically change the vibe of a piece of music. Mm-hmm. And, 
but yeah, from a writing standpoint, it's like, it's just, for me, that's become a means to an end rather than if, because sometimes I'll get caught in a rut of like, like I had to just disengage from the thing of like, well, man, you got to sit down with an acoustic and just write the song. And like, if you can't play it on the acoustic, it's not a song. It's like, okay, well, look, I'm just going to like record it and like, and then I'll learn it on the acoustic and look, there, it's a song, all right? <laughs> yeah. See, I, I can't play it on the acoustic. It just took me 15 guitar overdubs and a baritone guitar and a Mellotron to get there. But <laughs> that's just, it's just everybody has a different way of working. And that's, recently that's kind of borne some fruit for me. Um, cool. Yeah, so it, and it's fun. It's just, again, I like to sort of get putting myself, painting myself in the corner of like, oh, you got to come up with something right now. Um, I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. I just, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, but I think it's a good pro tools is a recording program for people that don't know that. So you just, you know, sort of the standard multi-track recording. Yeah. Um, and I have a pro tools rig, I have a studio at my house and, um, that's kind of where things like that. That's how like this last hold steady record, everything I wrote for that was, you know, out there doing, doing pretty much that way. Um, and the, the the demos that I tend to send when we're writing tend to be a little bit more complete, you mm -hmm. know, and the, the, which gets you into tricky waters can be, you know, that's, uh, that's where it's good to have a producer to kind of run interference. But, you know, right. I want to hear what the drums sound like. And so I'm a terrible drummer, but I can kind of get there. Yeah. You know, so I've, I've, you know, so what I, sometimes people literally like their demo will be a voice memo. Um, and it's like, that's it. And I do, miss out on that because what happens then is like then you get to be a part of the creative process where you see your song unfold in real time in front of you with what the producer and the other musicians are bringing yeah sometimes when i come in fully formed it's like okay well that that sounds like y'all playing what i had in mind like cool like you know i mean there is always something magic and different that happens and things get changed and mm -hmm. yeah you know the producer like guts half of what i came up with and, you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, they're both different ways to work, but, uh, you know, I think I'm happy with right now. I'm happy with the end results. Cool. Uh, I don't know if this is too much of a side note, but I'm, I'm, I'm just curious of, uh, so you're still, you're still doing a Sunday morning gig, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, church and gig. so, yeah, yeah well, church gig, a lot of musicians do. Um, it's been a journey. Yeah. So like I, you know, I, I was just driving in and I was, I was surfing on the old terrestrial radio stations in my car, was not listening to Spotify or Apple or whatever. And, um, you know, you come across the, the Christian music stations and, and, uh, and I'm always, I don't know, I've kind of got this, uh, the state of, of contemporary Christian music, what, what, what that is. And, and I know there's some, uh, I'm kind of into maybe more of, late, lately I've been more in, into a, 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 an acoustic almost their version of an Americana mm -hmm. thing going on. But, uh, but, uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on, um, on CCM and what, what that is and what that. It's been an interesting learning curve to me because this wasn't something that I really, you know, yeah. it wasn't on my radar. And like, you know, I, I try to, it, you know, separate the, the religion from the uh -huh. like you know um, like I, I don't want to get into what no you know, no 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 I, I, I'm talking like, like like as far as like a subculture I've, I'm learning know? so much because like and then people have kind of like the people I've been playing with have been kind of like breaking it down for me like you know I mean in a lot of ways it's like sort of code talk I mean like CCM means white and gospel uh -huh. means black yeah I didn't realize that a lot of and what a lot of things. I've talked to musicians and singers and worship leaders. They're like, yeah, a lot of people think like they'll just hear a black dude singing a song and think it's gospel. It's like, it ain't gospel. <laughs> and I'm like, that's interesting. Cause like, like there's this one tune that I really dig cause it sounds like an Isley brothers tune. Uh -huh. And, uh, and I was talking to my friend Darnell and he's like, yeah, everlasting that ain't gospel. I'm like, really? <laughs> cause I want to play like that lady over it. Like, you know, uh, like like Ernie Asley, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which isn't gospel either. But but but, but, it, but it was it, but like I'm learning a lot, and like I didn't realize that like so much of the guitar effects pedal market is driven. How, how about that? <laughs> which from from an anthropological standpoint, I think that's fascinating. From like a social cultural kind of thing, yeah, like right. That's I'm super interested in that. You know, you can call it good or bad. I don't care. Like, um, it, it's just that whole scene kind of blew my mind. So yeah, um, it. it you know, and going into it, like, because I just sort of was, like, subbing for a while. I was like, you know, my buddy Pat was like, do you want to do this gig? I was like, man, I've never done this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, man, the, the gospel stuff or whatever they call gospel, you know, it's like 
there's like all these changes in rhythmic accents that you have mm-hmm. to know. And like, and, and like once you kind of know the vernacular, it makes more sense. Yeah. You can kind of anticipate what's coming. Um, but at first I was like, you know, like the trope in the movie, like where the guy's like at the tennis court with like the tennis ball thrower and it, it malfunctions and starts yeah. hurling right. a thousand <laughs> tennis balls at once. Yeah, right. All like fast motion and uh-huh. stuff. That's what I felt like. Was like, whoa, what they, wait, back it up. Like, whoa, I don't know what's going on. Um, so now like, you know, so now when I do the gig, like most of the songs I know, it's like, it's only, you know, every so often that like a batch of new songs come in that you have to internalize, yeah. you know, so now that I've internalized the stuff, you can kind of move around in it. And here again, I've learned a ton of stuff, Yeah, and, you know, just like, well, you know, like I may or may not agree with the song, but like, like the sound of it or if it's something I want to listen to, but like, well, that was cool. And, you know, you put that in your pocket for later. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's infinitely more fun to play than to listen to. I, I've discovered anytime I do one of those, it's but, just but, like but, it's yeah. But it, it, as far as like how it how it, it has embraced like the the joke was well not the joke but but like um, when <laughs> when I was when I was working for the televangelist back in the day it was like. Um, the edge you too was was, was that, that, that was the, that's kind of the kernel right right, that's, right. That's, that was, right. You know, he started you know and then so then and then it was like Coldplay Coldplay was, yeah Coldplay and now there's still it, it's opened up but you still have this thing of like what would the stereotype be well it could be um, a Les Paul or a Strat you know and and, he, and the guy maybe has a, a decent Les Paul or Strat and then he has like five thousand dollars of of boutique pedals right. You know, and, right. the, the, <laughs> and, the, and maybe yeah, the, a nice the delay. You have to have the blue and, sky, yeah, right, yeah, or, yeah. or whatever, right? And, um, and then, yeah, um, and now, and but now the, the guys like I mix front of house on Sundays, and the guys have gotten to uh, the the Helix is this latest, right. you and that's down. Yeah. and so the guy left his boutique, you know, point to point soldered amp at home because yeah, like stage volume is the thing for a lot of yeah. Searches. But but as far as like all all that all that chain of of signal yeah. uh, and effects, you know, and, and and when it comes through the PA, you're like. That sounds like it sounds like the right. You know, that sounds like that sound, and it's a whole totally different headspace than, you know, a nice Fender Twin, and, and you're just going straight into that and getting things out of you know the nuances out yeah. of, out of your hands. It, but it is a, an entirely different scope, you know. And then you have all the heavy uh, synth things happening behind all it, pads. But, right? Yeah. yeah. So it is. It is funny how. Wait a minute. You had a name for that. that what the, the the pads the, the pad the, what was my name for that oh my gosh it's like it's like the Jesus chord or something like that oh well people joke that the Holy Spirit is not is not there unless you have the the, the pads the pad yeah well yeah. that that's been interesting to 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 watch people that are in the church that are in the world of like you know like writing and and you know and doing the CCM stuff or yeah. you know or whatever like to watch them make snarky little jokes about the tropes like like within themselves you know mm-hmm. and you know, like I did, I just, I did a bunch of overdubbing, um, in my room for, uh, Jeremy Horn. Yeah. Great songs. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was like, yeah. uh, you know, he just sent me, he, he just kept sending me songs to play on this one too. And it was like, I mean, that is, that's my ideal to be back in my room, overdubbing on someone's stuff, dropboxing it to him. Like I, if I yeah. could do that all day, every day, yeah. like so if you got something you want me to play on, I can do it. I'll record it. It'll sound good. Boom. You know, hit me up. But, um, but he was just like, just. No dotted, you know. Dotted eighth note delay. Yeah, ah. just like don't no Coldplay, <laughs> none of that. Like you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna mock anybody, like be Mike Campbell or something. You hey, know. okay, and that and yeah. that leads yeah, me yeah, to. Yeah. I'm sorry, but um, there's this whole they've they've become their whole um, industry unto itself. Like I knew I knew things were going off the rails when I got a Sweetwater catalog. And Sweetwater is a big uh, supplier of, of, of gear, and t- but it was the Worship Edition. All right, what? And it's I big opened, biz, man. Okay, right. But I opened it up. I'm like, it's all the same gear, <laughs> but it's labeled right for oh. churches, and and I thought that's, but people respond to that because right, and so so it's like wow, and then. To kind of come full circle, when when you see uh, a lot of worship conferences, are, are, are things available to church musicians to become better? And um, you know, my, my if anyone's ever asked me, and people don't, but the, the few times <laughs> they have, <laughs> the few times they have, I, 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 I you know, my answer, and I, I want to see if you resonate with this, would be like, just go play some gigs. Yeah, you want to get better? Go, just go down and. and busk on a street or maybe yeah. maybe a cafe yeah. might throw you a, a couple but like real time experience like what do you mean i'm like go 
go play you some go play. songs in front of human beings yeah. and, and fold, like yeah. suck, and then yeah. maybe you have a good song. And, and, re, and like it, it's, it's weird to see these things. Like I'll look at the curriculum or the syllabus of some of these conferences. I'm like, my God, just go play some gigs, man. What? Nothing. What? Nothing. <laughs> it, 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 growing up in church, just seeing, seeing these things, like, yeah. it, it, it's, I'm just kind of like curious of how, how'd we get here? But, you know, you know. And I don't, I don't like, I, I'm still kind of new to the world. I didn't realize as much of the culture. I mean, it makes sense now, but I didn't realize how much was around it, you know? Yeah. And I was just kind of like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do this gig. And then, you know, I was subbing and then they offered me a position. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then people were like, like they were like, you, that's, you just got a big gig. Uh-huh. And I'm like, cool. I did <laughs> like, and, and I, I get it now, you yeah, know, but I just yeah. didn't know. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not looking at dog. I'm just saying like, it, it's, it's, it's a curious, uh, it's a curious page in, in, yeah. in, in, in our book of, of music is, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, and, and, certainly it's, wouldn't it's, have seen it come and didn't realize like that it was such the phenomenon that way. I mean, yeah. I mean, certainly, it's, it's always been you know big business. I mean, I remember when you know Degarmo and Key were around. At okay, Arden, yeah, you right. Know, I mean, that's when I was growing up, being just a kid running around Arden, like you know, they, it was big business, right? You know, oh yeah. I mean, they're you know, it's like they're just players in a different world. You yeah, know? but um, anyway, yeah. I, I appreciate that. I hope, hope that didn't. I wasn't like trying to be offensive or anything. No, like no, that. no. But but, but no. It, it is it is a curious. Uh, uh, what would you say? Yeah, it's 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 its own culture. It's its own little sub yeah. subtract. Um, you know, and like the, I play it for Fellowship Memphis, and we're in the downtown outpost. Um, they have outposts all over town, but you know, the the two of the guys that play there play in my band, um, Robinson Bridgeforth, who's a phenomenal drummer, mm-hmm. and Pat Fusco, who's an amazing keyboard yeah, player. Pat, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like, so we we've done we have tons of hours together as, as a band with my band. So, I mean, it's, I don't care what you're playing, where you are. If you got people you're locking in with, it's, it's, it's yeah. rewarding. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it feels good. So I've, I've come to like, you know, people are like, Oh, you have to get up early. I'm like, I have kids. I'm going to be up early. Yeah. I mean, I have to be there at eight 30. That's not a big stretch for me. Right. So that's, that's not a thing. And like, I just, it's great, man. Like, I'm, you know, 1130 or so I'm done and I've had some fun playing music with people I like and, you know, grab the family and go to second line for brunch. Yeah. I'm like, dude. Yeah, it's a good day. It's, that's, I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah. Well, that was maybe more just on a selfish personal uh, right. it's okay. thing I wanted to talk I understand. about. That I coffee understand. kicked in finally. I'm like, you know, and you know what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, I think that, I think we covered everything. I think, yeah, there's yeah, enough that, tangents. That, I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I think it looks like me trying to do an Etch-A-Sketch, <laughs> just like a lot of weird turns. Uh, where, where can people uh, tune in? Speaking of, uh, 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 yeah, sketch. Um, well, when's this coming out? At least in seasons, um, I'm shooting for... November? Yeah, definitely before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'll be either at DKDC or Railgarden. Which or, I recommend folks to go check out. Fun place. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great place to, to hear yeah, some. That's some, one of my some, favorite venues to play. Yeah. Um, they support awesome local music. I, I got a gig in November at B-Side, I think November 15th. Um, but, you know, just check my social media. And, um, and your social media being... When we'll At tag Steve it, Salvage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And then I think, you know, there there'll probably be a Sons of Mudboy. I didn't even mention Sons of Mudboy is something that I'm, that's another thing that I do. We didn't really even, t- real Get quick, that, real yeah. quick. So Mudboy and Neutrons. Yeah, so Mudboy and the Neutrons is a band that was my dad, Jim Dickinson, Lee Baker, and Jimmy Crossway. Right. Well, everybody but Crossway's dead. Um, so we started singing these songs. I mean, our both Dickinson and my dad told me and Luther, like, you, people need to hear these songs. You got to keep singing these songs. It's oh, repertoire. Yeah. It needs, you know, people yeah. need to hear Casey Jones. People need to know who Ferry Lewis is. So that, and then we were just taking our filter and our lens from everything that we were into as kids and mashing it with that. Um, and it's real kind of like loose. Like we don't, we just get together when we get together. We don't have an agenda. We don't like, you know, but it's always just about having fun and being together. Um, I, so. caught, I caught you guys once at DKDC yeah, a couple years back. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can highly recommend. It's, you a know, great, it's a great show. And we've recorded some stuff and we might record some more stuff yeah. and we might put it out or we might not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so hopefully we'll have something coming up at some point. 
Um, and other than that, other than um, that, Steve, thank you so much for hanging out. This yeah. was a blast. I loved blast. it. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Awesome. Catch you next time. So hopefully you've learned how to get a church gig. <laughs> and keep one. <laughs> and keep a church gig. <laughs> no, no. The, um, church gigs make up a lot of uh, local musicians' monthly budget. It's. Uh, I think it's a cool thing. I think it's a great. Uh, it's a great thing for a local church to reach out to the local art, you know, artists and have them come in and do things. I think that's a very lovely situation. And if you're in the mood to reach out to someone, oh. Like, perhaps your target audience. Really? Yeah. I'm going to latch on to target, the word target. I'm going to use it. So if you want to reach out to your target target audience, excuse me. If you want to reach out to your target audience. Maybe maybe we could help. Maybe Memphis Machine would be that. Maybe Memphis is your target. Is your target. Reach we out can to help. Us. Yes. We can help you help us help mm. you. Let us read your copy. We'll read it real good. <laughs> Hot diggity daffodils. Sponsor an episode today. Today. Don't wait. We'll read it well. <laughs> mm.